0: What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One on one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes,
1: Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Lily White Ozarks, a podcast that 100% with no qualifications wholeheartedly believes that black lives matter. It's SIFPOP. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. (laughs) You get music and everything. It's amazing. Patrons get those perks. That's amazing. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he is apparently Darth Vader, my co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Hey. (laughs) And joining us all the way from sunny Los Angeles... It's Devon! Welcome! Uh, hello, hello. Thank you, Sif
0: Pop. Uh, I'm so glad to be back. Like it, it really has been a while. Like I did not realize how long it's been. I'm super excited. Super very excited.
1: Yeah, we've kind of uh, put having guests on to the side while we figured some stuff out. And uh, it, it's, it's really been fun to connect with you. By the way, if you're a Sif Pop member, we have an entire 15 to 20 minutes just catching up with Devon and, and kind of seeing what he's up to. Uh, that you can listen to, and uh, man, it's it's really good to hear your voice, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's, it's the nice part of technology, right, that we can continue I to mean, do stuff like this.
0: Yeah, it, it really is crazy that, like, you know, the, the way that the landscape has kind of changed and people are adapting to making content now with, you know, using, integrating technology to do distance things like
1: this, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. The last time, because we were talking about it in the member show, and we couldn't remember exactly the last time you were on. The last time I have that you were on was for Atomic Blonde, uh, which would have been a couple years ago. So, yeah, it's it's been a minute uh, for sure. Wow. Um, so, yeah, but it is good to have you back on. Uh, I guess we'll start here. Before we even get into anything, obviously, there's a lot going on in in the world. We took a week off just to kind of listen to other voices, hear what other people had to say. Uh, you know me, I talk often about how so many podcasts are two Caucasians in a microphone. Uh, and that's, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that just kind of the... The unfortunate uh, part of, especially living somewhere like here in the Ozarks, and it's I I am so thrilled at a lot of the movement to hear uh, person, people of color speak, hear the voices, those kind of things. And Devon, I just felt like it was, it was not only in our best interest, but in our audience's best interest to take this week. To really focus on what is going in on on the world, uh, you know, the this moment that is happening feels bigger than moments like this before. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm I'm weird in that, but it feels like there's real possible change happening. That people's minds are changing. That people are waking up. Uh, and so I thought it was would be awesome to have you on as somebody who obviously has an inside perspective on that as a person of color yourself. And uh, and I just I really appreciate you taking the time to to be part of the show this week and kind of as we delve a little bit deeper into this stuff. So we're super excited to have you on Devon this week to kind of talk about those things, go a little deeper. It's a little bit scary sometimes, especially as a white guy where I, I know it's not my voice that needs to be heard. Right. Like we need to continue to wake up and listen to. Uh, voices from people of color and so how has this kind does this moment feel as big to you as it feels to me um I mean honestly maybe not um I
0: mean it I mean I will not deny how big it is and I think it's it's as big as it is because you know there is always this uh back and forth on you know the good and bad of social media and I think that is why that this is a bigger you know movement and you know because also people now have access to more resources and information that they might not have had before either you know and the ability that people are you know able to catch things on video and these videos are inspiring people as well so it it is a big thing but obviously you know the the differences of you know coming up is you know it doesn't feel as big to me because these are obviously things that i have know are going on and have been Mm -hmm. you know exposed to a little bit more than other people might have and and i say that like you know i'm also not so i didn't grow up you know like you know in the projects or anything like that i still grew up in suburban missouri but i am still just you know a little bit more acutely aware of uh other things and you know and I think that's been the biggest why the it, 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 it's a bigger moment and uh, can have some power behind it, you know, because, you know, the, the the power of the internet and social media can show that there's, you know, power in numbers. And that's, you know, when voices can be heard, you know, um, people feel like they can say things, but they're, but they're speaking into a void. But now that there is somewhere to speak to and getting a response back even is what has made this so uh, a little bit bigger, I think.
1: Yeah, and there, there are different factors that go along with this moment, too. I think the fact that we've all been cooped up for several months and that we mm-hmm. actually are kind of uh, in a place where we can even focus better than usual because we're not doing all the same things we used to be doing two months ago. Um, has, I think, given the opportunity to some to pay attention more than they would before. Uh, and yeah. it's, I, I don't know, I just, I feel like, I, I guess I'm, I'm holding out hope that we're finally to some sort of crest where things might actually change. Because as we'll talk about in some of the movies we're going to talk about, these are issues and very specific circumstances that have been happening for decades even after the quote-unquote civil rights movement you know uh through you know malcolm x and and uh, martin luther king uh, jr uh even after that it's just these specific kinds of bl- police brutality things have been happening for so long and i imagine at some point it would be difficult to continue to hold out to hope that this will be the one that wakes people up and i just i just hope you know that's that's the hope i just i hold on to
0: no, I, I totally agree, and um I think people are able to wake up to these kind of things now. Like you said, uh, I think part of it is like the timing with this pandemic, and people have been able to you know look a little bit more inwards and have a little bit more uh, reflection time in themselves to be able to kind of process a lot of thoughts and feelings about a lot of things. And then you know with, and then when you know events occur, and now you know people are paying attention, you
1: know. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Andrew, did you have any thoughts kind of as you've gone through these last couple weeks with uh, a lot of the unrest and, the you know, obviously the, the movement that's going on?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I have a couple of things that were, you know, uh, that I found interesting. I finally, um, I've always been a proponent of uh, or not opponent, I want to make sure I didn't I didn't say that, a proponent of Black Lives Matter. Uh, but I have family members who are very adamant about all lives matter and stuff like that. And I finally met uh, or, or listened to a video of a man by the name of Emmanuel Acho, who was a former linebacker for the Philly Eagles, if you don't know who he is. And he put, he gave what I think is the best analogy for Black Lives Matter. And it has to deal with the state of the world right now in how uh, right now the world is going through a pandemic not seen since the Spanish flu with COVID-19. And all the entire world is, you know, gathering its resources to fight this virus. Now, that's not to say that cancer doesn't matter. It's not to say that HIV doesn't matter. It's not to say that ALS doesn't matter. But COVID-19 is the one right now that is actively killing people. So just because we're not saying the others don't matter doesn't mean that this isn't an incredibly important moment that we all need to focus on. And it's also made me, uh, as a person, realize the faults in myself that I didn't even realize I had until... um, I heard people talking because I have to admit this time around, I've been doing a lot more listening as opposed to trying to uh, talk about it. I'm listening a lot more. And I think that that's been way more beneficial for me. Uh, for example, uh, going back to, I wanted to find for today cause I knew we, I knew we were going to be talking about this, but uh it was a post I made on Facebook like back in 2016. I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere. It was whenever Colin Kaepernick started uh, kneeling during the national anthem. And I posted uh, my opinion on it. And generally, uh, the general, what I had was I don't think Colin Kaepernick is a good quarterback. Having said that, I more than respect his um, right to protest. And then I said. Um, But I am not a fan of kneeling during the National Anthem. And then, uh, even with this whole Drew Brees thing that's going on right now, it made me realize, who am I to tell people how to protest? It's not my place to protest. It's to look at what they're protesting and listen to what it is. It's not the act of how they do it that's important. It's the message they're trying to get across. So... I say for me during this time, I really just want to listen and try and understand because as Aaron said earlier, you know, this is just two white guys having a podcast together. (laughs) And I think we can do a better job of just sitting back and listening.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I I think it's been a a valuable experience for many people to kind of question, including myself, question uh, my own... Ability to empathize with another group of people and, you know, really put yourself in someone else's shoes and what they've gone through the best way that you can, and then understand that that listening is the only way to truly do that, because otherwise you're just guessing. And uh, yeah. and I think that's good.
2: Yeah, because, uh, you know, for a long time I had the mentality of, oh, I'm not racist, so they're not talking to me about change being made. Just because I'm not racist doesn't mean I ha- can't, I don't have to listen, it's important for me to listen. It's important for everybody to listen, and I am learning that.
0: Yeah, uh, I think you guys, uh, you guys, really put it uh, quite perfectly, like about about listening, like especially Andrew, like you know how you said you kind of were able to shift your viewpoint, and I, I, I like how a lot of people have been able to kind of like it's kind of made people their gears turn about you know what was going on a few years ago with uh the kneeling during the football games and what it actually meant and now and like you said with with listening because it's like you know it that people are finally kind of figuring out that it's you know not that you know we need that anyone needs you to to relate or needs you to have uh, an experience or an anecdote to go with it you know it's just or or what your opinion is it's like you said it's just Yes, I, I have this, but I'm listening, and that makes what you're saying valid, that makes you heard, and that's what the, the I think the the biggest thing to take out of all this is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it is definitely an important time um, for all of us to kind of keep asking those questions, keep listening uh, to those who are going through it, who are... Uh, have been going through it for like i said decades centuries uh it is just um it is something as a culture we have to continue to understand that even as we make progress even even as we we find ways that we can do better there's still so far to go and to keep that at the forefront of battling systematic racism where racism is kind of built in to a lot of the ways this country does things uh that's a tough battle and that's a long battle and it's the first the first thing is to admit it exists and i think a, a lot of people are just now finding themselves in that place so so yeah it's it's it, it is painful but it is good um and it will continue to be painful and good if the progress is is made. So I just figured we should, you know, kind of talk about that a little bit as, as it's going on. and kind of pertains to the rest of what we're doing this episode. Now, obviously, this is a movie podcast. You don't necessarily download this podcast to hear us talk about social issues. Uh, but this one seemed big enough uh, that we thought it would be a good opportunity just to kind of let you know where we stand and let you know, um, you know, kind of those conversations are going on inside these walls uh, as well, and honestly, Devon, you come from here. This is, I'm. This is, uh, this has a, this area has quite a history of racism, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that has happened here that is absolutely grotesque. And um, yeah. So it's you know, you you talked about not being from the projects, but at the same time, you are from an area that has mm-hmm. a lot of that systematic racism, just like built in to some of the DNA. Uh-huh. So. So yeah, I don't oh, yeah. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all before we move on, but
0: No, I I, I totally agree because it's like, yeah, you when you look at it from either end of, you know, the, the system of where the racism is coming from. And, you know, Missouri, yeah, does just kinda of have some of that deep rooted I mean, you know, ever since, you know, Missouri's always been a split state and uh, so it, it has always been an interesting place to come from. Um but at the same time, you know, I think I have had more exposure to, you know, the 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 positives, and I'm, um, you know, I, I I encourage people, you know, because out here in Los Angeles, people think that Missouri, they think we're like country, they think we're like like real like, they think we're almost like a southern state. So it's like kind of interesting that I'm like, no, 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 like <laughs> I, I I'm also from the 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 friendly, fun-loving like really just like friendly genuine people missouri like that's the missouri i know you know yeah so it's, it is uh interesting that it, you know i've definitely have grown up seeing an equal share of both sides of it
1: well it probably didn't help that you pulled out your banjo and, and played dueling banjos that was probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it did not happen i had a straw in my mouth Yeah. overalls
1: <laughs> that's probably probably a bad idea uh, all right, we're going to get into kind of taking the rest of this podcast at this same idea, this same topic, continuing to, to give voice uh, to this conversation, but through the, uh, the view of movies. In uh, this week, there was a new movie out. Uh, Spike Lee's new movie came out called The Five Bloods, so we're going to review that together talk a little bit about that and then we're going to do a new segment called movies for the moment and we've each picked five movies for the moment that we will discuss together as movies that would be valuable meaningful important to watch during this time to better understand the world around you and what's going on so and of course we'll do some buried treasure uh, at the end as well but let's go ahead and get into it let's review the five bloods Welcome back to Vietnam. Look at that found. Ready man in all his gloves. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived.
0: Hey, I have no place
1: to stay. Hey. We bury it. Made our we come back and collect. Four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they returned to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader in the gold fortune he helped them hide. This is Spike Lee's latest movie. It is a Netflix release. Uh, it is two hours and 35 minutes long. It uh, stars Chadwick Boseman, Del, uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, Paul Walter Hauser's in there, Jonathan Majors, Jean Reno, uh norm lewis clark peters uh isaiah whitlock jr uh, great cast and uh, of course it's it's spike lee so let's start here and we'll start with devon did you like it love it dislike it hate it or it was just okay um if you man
0: this it, there's a lot of movie in this movie
1: yeah, there <laughs> is. Know. that's one way to say it
0: which, which I did not know, because like I said, I just watched it this morning. I didn't check like what the runtime was, so luckily I woke up like super early, and then I was like, oh, how long is this movie? And I was like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of movie, and at first I would have said it was okay, but then I think with my roller coaster of an experience overall, I'll say I liked it.
1: Very nice, very nice. Uh, Andrew, what do you got?
0: Man, I love this
1: movie. I love this movie a lot. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, I I do have some things about it uh, that I didn't like, but I think I'm in the loved it category. Um, maybe not as strong as you, uh, Andrew, but I think I was just ready for this movie. I think I was just, when I when I put it on. I was just ready for Spike Lee to tell me what he wanted to tell me, which is which is interesting because he is definitely going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, of the the directors Mm -hmm. that are, you know, famous and working today and doing stuff, you you never come away from a Spike Lee movie going, hmm, I wonder what he meant by that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and I was ready. I was just ready this time. I was like, go ahead, Spike, lay it on me. And I I really did uh, love what this movie did. And I think there's some very specific choices he made that just worked for me. And I I liked them so let's let's kind of get into it. Uh, Devon, why don't you kick us off? Just some general thoughts about the movie, pro or con, or just anything you want to talk about. Yeah, um,
0: I mean, I guess a, a general general thing is because yeah, it, it's a very long movie, and I will say, it, I got to the halfway point and I was I was getting kind of bored. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't very invested in it. it. the The first half of it, and I don't know if like you know, we can maybe get into it later, but like that it felt a little bit kinda you know, I won't say stale because that's a little too negative. Maybe but dragging its heels. It was it was just a little a little dry. It didn't feel as spikely in the first half of it. Mm. I mean there were there were spikely isms in there, but something just didn't feel right. And then the second half, then I, that's whenever I was like, okay, this is the spikely stuff that I was expecting coming into this and so the the pacing didn't work for me so that kind of had a big impact on the overall experience of it Uh, just because that's kind of important to me in a movie this long where I think this movie could have been trimmed down uh, a lot um, but, but then once it got into the things that, I mean, obviously you guys know me, uh, a horror guy and we get some, some of the more explicit, you know, things in this and the energy kind of picks up a lot in the intensity. The second half I dug quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: What about you, Andrew?
2: Uh, can we just go ahead and give Delroy Lindo the Oscar? <laughs> I mean, man, he I mean, went for it. And he, he nailed it, man. Honestly, Whew. this could be like a uh, top performance of all time. Like, I am blown oh. away by how good he is as Paul in this movie. He's a... Uh, and I was actually... Aaron, I was going to ask you this. Do you do you feel like it's fortuitous that you watch Treasure of Sierra Madre right
1: before you watch this? It's it's my first note. <laughs> my first really? note is that is the, the best... The best accidental decision I've ever made was to watch the tre- Treasure of Sierra Madre before watching this because yeah. and I found out later uh Spike Lee it's it's like his favorite film. He loves Treasure of Sierra Madre and it yeah. is obvious in this movie because this movie is it just, even
2: has the line. It even has the badges <laughs>
1: line. It really does. Yeah. Like it it is it is dripping with Treasure of Sierra Madre. And yeah, I I thought that was really interesting that we just watched that last week and and now yeah. we're watching this movie. So yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, but going back to Delroy Lindo, um, his performance where he is at the beginning of this movie and the way he transitions—it's very Bogart, like the the pattern. Mm-hmm. But the way that Delroy does that performance, he makes it his own, and it's one of the most powerful performances I've seen in years. Honestly.
1: Yeah, he's really, really good. I wonder. This is going to be such a strange Oscar season, award season. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be it, th- these next 6 months are going to be fascinating just to see like what gets squeezed in or, you know is there still the same amount of like awards push because uh, you know a lot of times those smaller indie films that push for awards they're actually being produced right now when the pandemic was like this this is the time mm-hmm. of year a lot of those smaller films will shoot and then edit over the summer and then have it ready for award season and that's just i mean production just halted so i I, it's going to be very interesting to me not only to see what's available but also to see the conversation that goes around the eventual winners because i just have this sinking feeling that that there's going to be this invisible asterisk next to this award season and Uh, that's such a shame i hope that's not the case
0: i mean i think i think 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 it will be Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think inevitably there will be like, I mean, I think there's not going to be a way around of talking about this year's Oscars or film crop without talking about, you know, just the circumstances that we were in, you know, as far as like talking about this, like years down the road, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is kind of inevitable, but at the same time, it, it just kind of makes me i'm wondering how much it's actually gonna shift because i mean i feel like you know we were kind of already in this shift of you know like especially last year with like you know the streaming services like you know really kind of taking over some of the nominations and things like that and we're kind of getting to that point where these people were already producing ones and these are the people producing the movies now that are still being seen during all of this and and especially you know a lot of since you know traditionally the oscar movies don't really start getting like really rolled out until like you know october november anyways so i don't know i mean i'm intrigued to see how much of a shift it's gonna be but there it, it, it is inevitable that like there will be an asterisk that it's just like hey this is what was going on yeah yeah,
1: that's. Uh, do you guys
2: know whether or not this was originally going to be a Netflix film or? Yes, yes, it always was. Oh, it was? In, oh, okay. in, in
1: fact, Spike I think has talked about they were the only ones that would give approve uh, uh, it. They were the only ones that would greenlight the budget. So really, yep, it's, it's kind of similar to Scorsese last year. Um, <clears throat> he kind of said the same thing. Like Netflix was the only person that would let it, give him the money to do what he wanted to do with that movie. So yeah,
2: I'm trying to look up the budget for this film. Let's see what we got. Mm -hmm. while i'm looking that up uh i'll just say uh something that i thought was going to be a negative but it did turn into a pro for me was how uh i'll just call them the flashback scenes there was some casting decisions i thought that i wasn't going to like but then once the film progressed where i understood what it was symbolizing i ended up really loving that decision
1: yeah without i'm trying, without I'm trying
0: ex- to tiptoe around it yeah no no no, I mean, totally without is it a spoiler i mean
1: yeah i mean i i don't know and, and we try to be extra careful of spoilers here and we will have a spoiler conversation about uh about this oh, okay um about this movie as well but I, anybody who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about so yeah. you know you understand what andrew's talking about and as, yeah. as far as me that that choice Uh, I kind of loved it. I've heard others talk about being confused by it at first, and for me, it made the whole situation less confusing um, because I wasn't trying to remember... You know, who was con- who yeah, was a connect, younger person? Yeah, connecting the dots and in, in those kind oh, of yeah. things. So, I'm, yeah. I I think that's
0: what it, I, I think it partially was for that to like, yeah, like just like kind of so that way people don't got to, you know, like you say, connect extra dots and you can kind of just focus in. But I did, I liked what symbolized as well. So, like right out the gate, I think that was like one of my first notes. That I was like, okay, this is an interesting decision, but I, I can get down with it. And, you know, it's kind of goes along with like the choice
1: of that and the aspect ratio changes and, um, I thought it made sense. You know, uh, Devon, you, you brought up the almost horror elements of the violence in this. Yeah. And, uh, and this movie does two things with that violence. Uh, one is it does the over-the-top, in-the-story violence. Yeah, that, the Tarantino violence. Yeah, the Tarantino kind of stuff. And then it also includes real-world grotesque violence in imagery. And it's it's... I think a purposeful decision um, by Lee to, to do something that he is so good at, which is to kind of grab you by the lapels and say, look at this. Like, you know, I'm not going to let you look away from this. He even does something interesting with one of the most famous shots of uh, like historic journalism is a shot of somebody uh, about to get shot. I don't, I don't want to be too graphic here, but he uses it in the movie in a way that you've seen done in other, where he shows the video leading up to that moment, and then he flashes the actual still image that everybody knows of that moment. And you're like, okay, that's what movies do to save us from seeing you know, the grotesque real thing. But then he brings yeah. back the video to show you the reality of the grotesqueness of that moment. Almost as if to say, you thought you were getting away from this, but no, I'm not gonna let you look at this. And I just man, it's so purposeful and powerful.
0: Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting that he, you know, opens the movie with this kind of, you know, style with the the footage, similarly how Black Klansman ended with that kind mm-hmm. of footage. So I think it's kind of an interesting just like, you know, how he, you know, connects these through lines between his films as well. Yeah, um, But it is a very interesting device that he's kind of using and like, you know, it almost makes it feel document like the film, like kind of have a documentary element to it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I find that uh, really interesting the way they uses that. But, um, but yeah, that, that specific way, the instance that you mentioned was
1: that, that, that definitely got me for sure. The, and there's an interesting thing too, where, and I've been guilty of saying this. I think I even said this with black Klansmen with some of the stuff at the end where I'm like, You know, it's a a little bit pedantic. It feels a little bit, you know, preachy and over the top. And I just think we're so guilty. And one of the things that I'm learning through this time that I need to admit my own shortcomings is I'm learning that if if the easy stuff worked, it'd be fixed by now. (laughs) So it's like Uh, there's this moment of... You know, Spike Lee is purposefully saying, yeah, I'm preaching to you because you don't, nobody's listening. So I'm trying, you know, know, like it's, it really is literally grabbing you by the shoulders. Right. And, And making you pay attention. And, you know, Andrew, you talked about the Kaepernick thing. And it's like, you know, kneeling during the national anthem makes a big statement. And the bigger the statement, the more people hopefully will wake up and go, okay, and pay attention. Right. And so where is that line? Is there a line? I don't know. I just I just know I'm learning that uh, a lot of times the the things that I feel or are distasteful and inappropriate are there specifically because they wake people up and they allow for a reaction that makes people react one way or than another. You know, run to change or, you know, run to uh, solidify your, um, you know, your your antithetical belief. Whatever it may be, it creates the need to have a reaction. And I just, I think Spike Lee's so good at that. And so I watched this movie in that mindset just thinking, oh, I get it now. Like, I, I understand the point of what's going on here. So, yeah, it was, it was powerful.
2: Another thing I want to point out is I think that this might be the most cinematically beautiful film Spike Lee's ever made. He's a very um incredible, like beyond amazing storyteller. But I've never looked at a movie of his that I can think of and just go, wow, this is gorgeous. And it may have to do with the setting and how it's so different from any other Spike Lee movie, you know? But I mean there were just some shots in this movie where it just encaptures the horror, but at the same time the beauty of this you know place and how the vietnam of old and showing the vietnam how it is now it's just it's incredible and i got to give him huge props because i've never seen that in the spike lee movie
0: oh yeah and i mean and he definitely gave his inspiration props too with the the apocalypse now uh nod. Oh yeah. Uh, towards the very beginning so i mean that's kind of the similar things you're seeing with that you know that sepia and the graininess that he uses and the warmth of vietnam and stuff um i i I would agree in that um i'd say malcolm x is a, a very immaculate looking film uh as far as his films go i'd say that one is a pretty like it's very clean and i really like that and i love the black and white you guys know that oh yeah um but but yeah I would definitely put this up here with uh, one of his more better looking films for sure and yeah you know, and that also comes he you know Spike Lee's always done a lot of his stuff on smaller budgets and you know now he's got that Netflix money for this one so <laughs> yeah
1: right that's true I guess I I and, guess I guess, go ahead. Go, I guess I'll go ahead and uh, mention this uh, now since we're talking about kind of the cinematic aspect of it Yeah. Um, But I don't think this is the spoiler necessarily, but he plays with aspect ratio in this. And Mm -hmm. I just, this is one of my favorite things now. I love that creators are using the way we frame the action to communicate to the audience. And it's just such a, it's just another tool in the tool belt, right? You can use aspect ratio, you can use color, you can use sound. And it's just to see, uh, consummate filmmakers use it in different ways. I just, I, I really appreciated that. I thought, I thought it was really well done.
2: Yeah. My last pro that I want to throw out is I don't think I can remember a movie that started off uh, in, or, uh, defining the chemistry between characters so well. This movie kicks off, you know, with the, them all seeing each other and the chemistry between them all is immediately gravitating or, or how how would you say like i bought into it immediately and i can't mm-hmm. think of a movie where i'm just like as soon as it starts i'm like oh okay all these guys i know they're going to work perfectly together
1: yeah i totally agree i i think it's it's really well set up uh in that way yeah i uh i totally agree
0: i uh i definitely bought into their chemistry Pretty instantaneously, like you said, and I was I was immediately invested already, but that 's like kind of one of my gripes with some of the pacing I think that 's some of the stuff that could have been cut because i was I was into the 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 chemistry already, and even when the sun comes in as well, he fit in like really smoothly as well but then, since we didn't really get much like backstory for many of the other characters besides Paul, I felt like they could have kind of cut some of the the reconnecting and you know and i i know that is supposed to just like kind of feel out some of the backstory and stuff but i feel like that was we could have got going a
1: little bit quicker in my opinion yeah Mm. i guess i i hear what you're saying i think i disagree because i i think through all of the stuff that happened there before they kind of set out on their journey and it's also to me it's it's i'm just really glad i saw it right like at the end of the day even though there's more of it than might be needed like I wouldn't miss it if it was gone if I didn't know about it right but because I know about it I'm glad it's in there like for instance the the nightclub scene um with them dancing I just think is so great and it's and it's just oh yeah you know instead I'm just like so yeah you know what do you lose how do you lose it I don't know I'm just I'm glad a lot of that stuff is in there I love that you can positively spin just about anything here (laughs) because like I I, because I do
0: I I do agree like it doesn't hurt the film at all I I guess just for a personal preference of the pacing of it I could have you know it's not that I don't like long movies right it's just if, if it unless I feel that it's all necessary was that stuff necessary maybe not but was it a nice addition yes but uh, the dance scene, um, I love that you shout that out. I've noticed that's a—it's kind of like a spikely thing with some of these more intense films. He—he he has a dance scene because you know in the in the black community that is a you know kind of a universal celebration of joy and happiness. And he always puts these scenes in as like a kind of a moment of levity. But then that's also how I know oh things are gonna go really bad in this movie because oh. <laughs> you're letting them be happy. You're like you're—they're showing them because they didn't in black Klansman uh he's done it in uh Chirac another movie that I'll mention a little bit later um it, I've noticed he does that in a lot of movies but that's how you know like it's gonna get real later if he like when yeah. he has one of those kind of scenes
1: well uh, I mean he's, he started do the right thing out with you know a dance scene over the credit you know what I mean like it's just like five minutes of dancing starts to do the right thing so it's definitely something that that, that he is uh he is known for and, and likes to include. So, what about what about negatives? Anybody else have any other uh, negatives they kind of want to throw out there? Things they didn't like. I do. Go for uh, it. I think that this movie is a little heavy-handed with
2: foreshadowing. Like, <laughs> uh, like be a little bit more subtle about some of the stuff. I'm like, if you hint at it enough, I'm like, okay, the the shock of it is going to lessen, you know, or. Uh you know like people say like oh well you know i i'm i'm not i'm not going to do this or you know or you should be careful of this and i'm like yeah okay so that's going to come up later you know you know if he was just a little bit more subtle with it i think i would have my uh I, it would it would have been better that's it
0: you know it's like i could almost go the other way cuz i think like my overall thing and I'm sure if we go back on any episodes I've been on, this has been my same thing. But again, I think a lot of things can work as horror movies and like I almost can like think of like I know it's it's meant to be, you know, it, it is still, you know, about the characters and the drama and things like that. However, as far as entertainment value goes, I think he still could have delivered some of these messages if he like almost leaned a little bit more into the kind of farcical tone that the second half almost takes on and like almost leans a little bit more into some of these horror elements. I also think that horror is a genre that works really well with, um, with like war movies, uh, cause I don't really like war movies all that much. And not that this is a true war movie anyways, but I mean, it still is. Um, I think that they just blend really well with horror and we don't have enough horror, like, war-esque horror movies because i think the idea is that war is already kind of horrific enough but at the same time i don't know just uh, because like i said like if they would have kind of leaned into the tone of the second half a little bit sooner maybe and like kind of played up like a oh be weary about that gold jungle fever you know like because they did kind of have a line at it but like maybe if they like kind of kept playing that up and then so that way when we see you know, where Paul's character goes, it's like, Oh, like this is crazy. Yeah. That's very treasure of Sierra Madre. Yeah. What he's
2: doing there.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I actually still have, I was just looking at this. I still have the uh, log line for treasure, treasure of the Sierra Madre on my prep sheet from last week. And it, you could basically <laughs> use it for to five bloods. I'm just going to remove a couple wor- words and tell me if, uh, if this works. Um, so it starts with, you know, who's in it. So, uh, they head into the mountains to find gold. Although they discover treasure, they also find plenty of trouble, not only from ruthless bandits lurking in the wilderness, but from their own insecurities and greed, which threaten to bring conflict at any moment. <laughs> just like, yeah, there you go. That's the yeah. description for yeah. both movies. Uh, yeah, my only negative, I think, um, has to do with something. I said something similar about Black Klansman, too. Um, he is, Spike is so. Very confident as a director, which is a great thing, but it allows him to uh to treat the movies a little less. Um, I'm trying to think what the word is, like there's a there's a little slickness missing to them. Like the, the stories don't flow perfectly for me. Now, this isn't a piecing thing for me as much as it is kind of an editing thing. But here's the here's the thing. I'm starting to learn that that bug is actually the feature like it's For me, even though that's a little off-putting. He's actually using it purposefully And so I'm starting to find more appreciation with that kind of part of his style And uh, it still is enough that I'm just like I get taken out of the movie here and there But at the same time, I, I kind of understand what he's doing now. So I don't know my 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 perspective on that is shifting, but uh but it is it is something that a few times in this movie I was just like, okay, that was a that was a weird tonal shift. That was a weird cut there. You know, those kind of things.
0: Mm. Yeah. But 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 I guess you're saying like it's like you may not like it, but you respect his choice. Oh totally. And I get it. And I'm starting
1: to get it more. I'm starting to understand it more. Uh, the more I watch his movies, that that's kind of, and it's not like it's new. (laughs) Yeah, no. You you know, I watch, we watch and we'll we'll talk, I think we've got this one on our list that we'll be talking about in a bit, but, you know, I watched Do the Right Thing last night and uh, just kind of in preparation, and it's there too, you know, it's just, it's something very Spike Lee, and uh, yeah, I I think I'm, I'm coming to appreciate it, even if it, even if I'm going to have a more, quote unquote, enjoyable time, if a director is kind of taking me along a slick path and where I feel like I'm all, the momentum is, you know, moving and those kind of things, I totally get what he's doing with how the momentum shifts in his movies. So, yeah, you're right. I respect it. For sure. Uh, anything else? Anybody have anything else they want to mention?
2: No post credit scene.
1: <laughs> well, there is, yeah. actually. There, there is a uh, at the very end. There's, didn't there something at the end? Did did it, either of you stay to the end?
2: I thought well, right after like... the uh the like the montage during the credits where they're showing everybody. Is that what you're talking about?
1: No, no. At the very end, there's like a group photo or some like um it's it's not it's not a photo. It's it's video. But I I think it's just like uh the whole crew and everything. I don't know. It's not a post credit uh, scene. But, oh man. Well, that's
0: Netflix. You know they hate credits. <laughs> that's their fault. Yeah. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's well worth a watch. I, I think it's a huge recommend, uh, you know, considering uh, everything that's going on and considering just that it's it's a powerful movie. My My wife asked me if she should watch it, and my initial response was no because of the violence. And she said, but shouldn't I see the violence? Shouldn't I understand the violence and i was like oh okay all right yeah it's you know it's kind of one of those things where if you understand going into it um what that is meant to do and how that's meant to impact you um then then yeah so yeah that would be my recommendation what about you guys big recommend
2: uh yeah of course good i'm gonna watch this one again and again and i mean it
0: it, it's definitely like i mean it's it's uh it's definitely timely it's a it's a good time to watch it um and it's not you know it's not overly heavy either um which i appreciate like uh you definitely get the emotion but it's not like a i was kind of going into this expecting like a, a little bit more of a heavy film for some reason i don't know why yeah. but um but it, it's very it's uh it's fun. It's uh. Like I said, I if you if you can get through the first half, because me personally and I also like, you know, me, I think I'm a little bit more tolerable of, you know, maybe the casual viewer. So, you know, for some of the more casual viewers that it, it is a little bit of a of a task of a
1: watch a little bit. But um but overall, I enjoyed it, though very nice uh well let's get into our next segment then uh this one is called movies of the moment and we have each chosen five movies that we think could be valuable meaningful important to watch during this time uh and i will say andrew and i picked ours uh primarily from a list that was put together uh by my friend sean uh who was also in the uh Broadcast Film Critics Association with me, uh, that he put together for Rotten Tomatoes. So if you want it, it's 110 important films about the black experience, and it is at Rotten Tomatoes, and you can check that out. So you should be able to find that with a search. Uh, But we wanted to continue to make sure that we are elevating voices of color, and so we wanted to, to, for the most part, pick our our picks from that list and from him uh, let's just kind of go around we'll do round Robin uh, we've each got five different movies and we'll just kind of pull one out to, to chat about and and go that direction so Devon why don't you kick us off uh,
0: yeah I will go first and uh, I guess uh, I assume uh, I think a few of us had a couple more Spike Lee movies so while we're already on Spike Lee I will go with uh, Chirac Will be the first film that I talk about. Um, it's a film that it, it was his film they did before Black Klansmen. It came out in 2015, I believe, or 2016, um, and it's based off of a Greek comedy, uh, Lysistrata. L- Lysistrata, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and it's basically a hip opera, a hip hop opera. Spike Lee like made a uh, it's a pseudo musical, and I love pseudo musicals. That kind of just because uh, the dialogue in the film is um, spoken in this like you know poetic, uh, timbre, rhythmic timbre. Um, but the the quick version is um, two gangs are fighting. Um, you know, there's gang violence. It takes place in Chicago. Um, And, you know, another shooting happens and it kills members of the gang and the women of the gang members are fed up with it, um, which is it's the same way in the Greek tragedy or in the Greek comedy, except it's like an actual like war war going on. The women are fed up. So they say, if you guys don't stop all this gang violence, uh, we will not sleep with you anymore and so that's basically uh the film is they're holding out trying to make a statement to stop gang violence does that sound familiar or what um it's it's a very entertaining film um it kind of encapsulates like a lot of what's going on with black lives matter in a very digestible way like this isn't a heavy movie it has a lot more comedy the uh the um, the weird quirky tone is set up from the get-go, so it's like you can kind of settle into it a little bit more. But it still has uh, a very powerful message about um, gang violence and violence amongst the black community, let alone, you know, from outside the black community. Um, but it's a it's a really great film. Samuel Jackson narrates it. Um, great performance by Nick Cannon. Um, and Wesley Snipes has a great performance in it, so it's like, when everybody, when Black Klansman came out, and they're like, yeah, Spike Lee's back, I'm like, Nah, like, where did he go? Because Chirac <laughs> was, like, fantastic. Like, it's a it's a phenomenal film. Uh,
1: Andrew, have you seen Chirac? I have not. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. I haven't seen it either. It is, uh, in case you want to watch it, and I'll try to let you know where you can watch these as we talk about them, but it is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, so it looks like yep, yep. there's a version on Amazon Prime that you can Check out. So that's Chirac. uh Andrew, what do you got? What uh,
2: the first one I'm going to talk about is Glory, which is an Edwards of Wick film. One of my favorite directors. Uh, stars Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, Andre brower and Carrie Elwes. Uh, this movie does suffer from the uh, the white savior complex a little bit. I think you know with Matthew Broderick's character, you know, uh, trying to save. It, it, oh, for those of you who don't know what it's about, it's about... Oh, uh, uh, Here's a synopsis. Robert Goldshaw, who is uh, Broderick's character, leads the U.S. Civil War's first all-black volunteer company, fighting prejudices from both his own Union Army and the Confederates. Uh, it does, like I said, kind of have that uh, white savior element to it, but at the same time, I think that the, uh, the performances, uh, especially by Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman and Audrey Brower, they speak volumes to what this movie's trying to say because of the time it's about. It's For for these guys, it, I can only imagine it feeling like we are fighting not only for ourselves, but for everyone in our community and for freedom and stuff like that. I think that the movie ends. Uh, it's heartbreaking, obviously, but it's just such a, great movie i highly recommend it
1: glory is is a good one uh you have any thoughts on glory devon oh fantastic movie um denzel washington you know it's just like another
0: one you know it's what he does he does these just (laughs) these powerful performances like it's and it's just another one of those ones where it's like he just kind of smacks you in the face you know a little bit and it's just like yeah
1: very powerful I'm going to uh, start off with Fruitvale Station. Um, This is a movie that smacked me upside the head. This is the movie, I think, that woke me up to, wait, this is something that keeps happening and has been happening and will continue to happen? Like, there's, I was just, for whatever reason, sheltered, ignorant, whatever. Uh, I I thought we were better than this. And then this movie came along and kind of smacked me upside the head and was like, no, 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 no. This this still happens. And then since then, we've seen time after time in the news and those kind of things. Um, But this, of course, is Ryan Coogler's kind of blast onto the scene um, and is just a powerful, powerful story of just another black life taken. Um, And it's just it's it's really intense and powerful. And I think it's immediately obvious how talented uh, Coogler is as well. Have either of you seen it?
0: It's so on my list of shame. I have seen it. Uh, fantastic movie. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's powerful. But then at the same time, it's I love how it he used such a small scale story. I mean, it was like a, it was a story that was in the news and such. But at the same time, it's, uh, it was just one of those things that it was like, yeah, the, the banality of it, the way they presented it, that it was just like, hey, this is just another day, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, um, the way they presented it, super powerful. Great film.
1: And of course, um, Michael B. Jordan kind of making his uh, presence known in that movie as mm-hmm. well. So and he's absolutely astonishing. It, it may be still my favorite Michael B. Jordan performance. I just I think he's absolutely incredible in it. Uh, what's your next one, Devon?
0: Uh, my next one, um, and we're kind of in the same ballpark as um, Fruitvale Station is if Beale Street could talk mm-hmm. uh, directed by Barry Jenkins in 2018. Uh, man, this movie is so beautiful. Like, like when people talk about poetic cinema, you know, like this is one of those movies I think about, like I, I I was rewatching it yesterday for the first time since I'd see it in theater within 10 minutes, I was crying. Didn't know why I was just like, it's just so beautiful. Um, you know, just telling, telling the story of this couple, they're, you know, so in love and in a hard time. And then, um, you know, the, man gets accused of crime he didn't commit and he's in prison it's again it's another one of these things that just happens and it's been happening you know because the the movie is a period piece as well so it's like it really like hits home the idea is like this has been happening for a long time it's a cycle um but it's a it's a powerful movie it, it's uh, very powerful but at the same time it's just it's very just gorgeous to look at and to experience
1: uh, a really great film
2: and this is what he followed uh, Moonlight up with, right?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, it's a pow- powerful, beautiful movie. I think that's the the best way to say it. Um, and uh, I, I didn't mention uh, the Glory and Fruitvale Station are not available to stream, but they are available to rent or buy on almost all digital platforms. Uh, and then If Beale Street Could Talk uh, appears to be on Hulu. Um, yep. So if you can want to stream that, you can head uh, to Hulu. Uh, Andrew, did you see if Beale Street could talk? No,
2: it, I do have it. Uh, I own it. I just haven't watched it yet.
1: Okay. Yep. I would. I'd give it a recommend. Uh, I'm with uh, with Devon. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm going to talk about Selma next. Uh, and this one just came out a couple years ago, and it's been in the news recently because apparently some uh, Academy. Members didn't want to vote for it because of the cast uh, wearing the I can't breathe shirts. Um, And so that's kind of been in the news recently. Uh, I was trying to figure out why this I think it was 2014. Why this movie uh, didn't do better because it's an absolutely astonishing cast and it's really well done. Um, David Oyelowo is Martin Luther King Jr. And is just perfect in this role. And just I, it's it's powerful, meaningful. Again, really informs the moment we're in. Um, so yeah, lots of great stuff going on here. Uh, other people you may know, like uh, Oprah Winfrey, Tessa Thompson, Andre Holland, Cuba Gooding Jr. Lots of lots of great performances going on uh, in this one. Do you guys have any thoughts on Selma? Uh,
2: the song "Glory" in it is insane. Yeah, the one that Common and John Legend mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, uh, go back to what you were saying. I'm, I'm kind of confused uh, about the Academy not wanting to vote for this film because of what?
1: Yeah, if you look up, you'll, you'll find some news articles on it. And I, I don't want to accidentally say something that's incorrect. So, I, you know, I'm not necessarily going to go into details unless I look it up. But I do believe the gist of it was that the cast at that moment took a, a picture together with T-shirts that had the I can't breathe on them as a sign of solidarity with black lives matter. And the, uh, there were members of the Academy who I guess have said that was the, you know, the r- primary reason, uh, they didn't vote for that movie, uh, in the awards, uh, that season. So again, I would look up but the I article. You I won't. can't,
2: I thought I can't breathe started just now. Didn't it? No. Or am I misinformed?
1: No. no, it's, that that's, was, that's,
0: it, it was like the last words of, of another, um, similar similar case
1: unfortunately it's been the last words of many uh young black men oh my god yeah there's me again being uninformed yeah i mean that's and that's part of the process right is is continue it's just for me there's you just continue to wake up to what kind of problem this is and because when i go out if if i drive around i don't think about anything but as a person of color, when you get behind the wheel, all of a sudden, your, your life is, you know, something you might have to think about. And I just, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And I'm just, I don't know. It's, I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to continue to, to have these conversations is to continue to have those wake up moments where it's like, you know, this has been a thing for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. All right. I think uh, Devon, you're up next. Is that correct?
2: I haven't done mine yet. Well, and, Andrew, a-
1: Andrew, why don't you go then? I think I stole your your next one.
2: That's all good. I'm gonna go with uh, another Spike Lee joint. I'm gonna go with do the right thing. Yeah, because this is if you want to make your your statement with your first movie, this is how you do it. This is a great movie. It's it it plays so much like a Broadway perf- like play. That it's you have to keep reminding yourself that it's actually a movie, but just to, everything about it because I think in movies you get so caught up in individual performances, whereas in this movie, I think it's just the community itself, you just lump everybody together. You know, it's just like, how is this person involved in the community? How is this person, t- and it gets keeps going like that until eventually it just, it feels kind of like one person saying one thing uh, because it's just, it's hot and there's just tension with uh, racial stuff going on with the pizzeria, with uh, other people in the community, in the neighborhood. Um, I think that this is just perfectly cast. The way this movie ends, I think it was either CinemaSins or... uh, Chris heard somebody talk about uh, whenever Spike Lee throws the trash can through the window at the end. you guys know what I'm talking about? In the movie? Yeah. Yeah, in the movie, yeah. I think that uh, Spike Lee finally came out and he said like why he decided for his character to do that. And it, it was this long uh, way of saying that he wanted to save Saul, the pizzeria owner's life. Like him doing that in some way... And I forget how he worded it, but the way that he worded it, it just made me realize how genius of a writer Spike Lee can be. Like, even layer after layer, like, you don't understand why, but as soon as, like, he explains it, you're like, that makes so much sense. How did I not understand it the first time I saw it? And it's a brilliant movie. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. I I love this movie.
1: I, uh, like I mentioned, watched it last night. And uh, my wife and I kind of looked at each other at the end and were like that could have been a movie made about George Floyd. Like it's it's insane that 30 years ago it literally is the same story, you know, and it's just, you know, the Radio Raheem stuff is just it's so heartbreaking that 1989 this was already a big enough issue that it's the key plot point to this movie uh, and and it's still happening, and just you know it's yeah it was it was powerful to rewatch that last night it's It's a phenomenal film
0: I said that I had some spikely blind spots. this is one of them oh i said i w- I said I was gonna fill it this week. I did not I was very busy <laughs> uh but i i i one hundred percent watched Do the right thing this week. I really did mean to watch it um but, and I will correct you, Andrew, this was actually not his first movie. His first movie was She's Gotta Have It. But, oh, yeah, well, but this go. was like a, this was like his third film, though. Um, OK, so I mean, still very early in his career. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the one of the Spike Lee movies I have not seen. And I feel ashamed of myself for not seeing it. So I'm going to run it this week.
2: Oh, it's great. You'll love it.
1: Yeah, Do the Right, so good. Do the right Thing, uh, and the others that we've just recently talked about, Selma, both of those are available uh, for rent or buy on all digital platforms. Uh, what do you got next, Devon?
0: Okay, up next is, uh, ooh, this is a movie that a, a lot of people have not heard about, um, that I absolutely love. Um, it's, uh, we're going a little bit smaller, um, so it's called Kicks. It's by a director, uh, Justin Tipping. Uh, it came out a few years ago. Um, it's a very, it's a very small, simple film. Um, it's a kid. He lives in, um, he lives in a poor part of Oakland. He's very poor. And he dreams about having a pair of Jordans. And, uh, you know, he can't get it because he can't afford it. But then eventually, like, saves up some money and finds a guy that's just selling them, like, out of his van or whatever. So he has his favorite pair of shoes, but then they get stolen from him by a gangbanger. So it's him and his friends go on a quest across Oakland to get these shoes back. And, of course, a lot of things happen along the way. Um, it's a great coming of age story. It's a great look into you know a very specific window of life, uh, a very small instance you know of how something so so small can mean so much to somebody in um, in a different position than you are. You know you just don't understand those kind of things. Um, it's a very small portrait. Um, it's a very uh, in, like very accurate portrayal of Oakland. Um, it's a uh, and it's um, has like these very cool cinematic elements to it where um, the the main character he freestyle raps like interludes in between in between scenes. And uh, so it's a it's a really interesting watch. Um, it's it's kind of hard to find, but it is available to rent on uh, platforms, but phenomenal film.
1: Very nice. I never heard of that one before, but now it's on my radar. Yeah. So I appreciate you bringing that one up. It looks like uh, Mahershala Ali is in it. Is, yes, okay. yes, Mersh. Yeah, uh, it came
0: out the same year as Moonlight. It came out in twenty sixteen, I believe, and uh, and it's actually a very similar role that he does in Moonlight as well. Uh, Ali you know, he he's very fantastic in the film. He had a he had a big year that year.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Andrew, what's your next one?
0: Uh, I'm going to
2: go with one that doesn't take place in the U.S. I'm going to go with City of God. One of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this one takes place in the slums of Rio de Janeiro. Pretty much it follows two uh, kids and their lives as they grow up. One who... Goes one way, and one who goes another one becomes like this kingpin, kind of drug lord who like rules the slums of Rio de Janeiro with violence and stuff like that. And the other follows uh, a, a young boy who wants to become a photographer. He he has high hopes and you know stuff like that. And it's it's how it it's a movie that really shows how the the system or not the system maybe uh, but the the uh the, the the city itself embraces one of those uh lives chosen and really makes the other struggle. How it's so easy for the kingpin to thrive, where it's so difficult for our main protagonist, Rocket, to uh you know, make it in this world. Uh and how there's pros and cons to both. It's just a fascinating, fascinating watch. And like I said, it is uh it's not in English, so you're gonna have to read subtitles. but yeah, one of the
1: greatest films ever made. Yep, I would back up the uh, City of God recommend uh, Devon, have you seen it? I have not. so it's, that one is going on my list. Yeah, that's a good one, good one to check out. Um, I believe yeah,
0: honestly, it's like a top 50 movie of all time. I've seen like great shots from it. Like I know uh, that it's shot really well and I've seen like some of like the iconic scenes from it. It looks gorgeous. So
1: the uh, I have that it's streaming on hoopla, which if if you've never heard of hoopla is one of those uh, streaming sites that connects with your public library. And if you have a library account or a library card, it has, you know, you can watch um, all those movies that are in libraries. So uh, other than that, it's available to rent or buy uh, across the digital platforms. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Just Mercy next. This is a very recent movie. just came out at the end of the last year. And uh, this is one that I think slipped under a lot of people's radar. But I've seen it a couple times now because it's one that I've uh, wanted friends to watch. And so I've I've watched it with them. But speaking of Michael B. Jordan, uh, he plays the uh, main lawyer in this movie. And it's basically... This one focuses on the inherent racism or the systematic racism involved in our judicial system, and he basically makes it his life's goal to defend people who have been wrongly condemned uh, or couldn't afford proper representation in their cases. Uh, This focuses on a true life case that uh, Jamie Foxx plays the person um, who is... um, at the center of this, Brie Larson is in it as well. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson uh, has a great role in this. O'Shea Jackson Jr., who I love, is doing good stuff here. And it's, it's a great cast, great performances, and a really, I think, important movie uh, dealing with kind of another one of those wake-up uh, moments of kind of looking at the judicial system and just how uh, unfair and racist a lot of those uh, convictions have been um so it's it's powerful powerful stuff and I highly recommend have either of you had a chance to check that out no that like you said it's a really
2: recent
0: movie like last year right
1: mm-hmm. yeah just the end of last year yeah
0: yeah
2: not yet but i
0: want yeah. to yeah i haven't gotten around to it yet either but um but yeah maybe michael b jordan and jamie Foxx next to each other yeah
1: Yeah, and again it's it's a really great uh a great movie for kind of this this moment we're in it is uh currently on um for rent or buy mm
0: -hmm.
1: i don't think it's streaming though didn't they do
0: like a deal though that they're uh, playing it for oh, that they're streaming right. it for free you know somewhere? What?
1: Yes, that is correct. It is you know in fact maybe some of these because I I don't necessarily know all those details but there are a lot of movies like this uh, that are available right now for free and I think Just Mercy is one of those. Um, I can look that up real quick.
2: No, uh, it's on a you can watch it on Apple TV for free. I think you can also watch it. I think on uh, Prime as well. Prime, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's probably if it's, it's if it's being offered for free, it's probably across platforms, um, wherever you can rent it, they'll probably stream it free. So, yeah, so yeah, good catch, Devon. I'm glad I'm glad you said that. What do you got next? Uh, up next is Django Unchained,
0: uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, film with Jamie Fox and Christoph Waltz and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I mean, I think I don't have to explain the movie. A lot of people know Django by this point. (laughs) Um, But just some of the points I wanted to throw out about it was uh, the reason I love it and why it's interesting for this moment is uh, the POV uh, shift of, you know, the way that Tarantino kind of uses his uh, what people now call revisionist history um, technique here as, um, you know, I don't me personally as a person of color i don't like watching movies that involve slavery like it, it's like a weird like i viewed that as torture porn and that's coming from a, a horror fan you know so it's like i don't like watching movies about slavery however the the fact that uh tarantino takes django and takes a slave that you know is liberated and then empowered and then you know goes on this revenge um you know quest for revenge and love and you know turned him into you know that typical cowboy you know um hero that uh the black community didn't have you know we didn't have that and then like when you watch westerns you know that character doesn't really exist all too much either so you know that's a reason that i enjoy watching django That's a you know kind of flip on that and it's a it's a very empowering movie on top of just being wildly entertaining
1: that one is uh, streaming on netflix so if you have netflix you can check out django andrew you've seen django right
2: oh yeah oh yeah yeah that scene with leo uh where he really cuts his hand in real life mm-hmm. and it, he's just walking around giving that speech about i think it was like the skull like there's something wrong with or different in the skull, or something like that. It was just so tense. It's such a tense, tense scene. Leo's not in that movie for that long, but he makes up the... He just grabs the scene, and him and uh, Christoph Waltz going back and forth, and you just see Django. He's just ready. He's ready. If something pops off, he's ready to go. I love that movie. I need to watch that again. So fun.
1: Yeah, I I mean... (laughs) I am not typically a Tarantino guy, uh but there are scenes in that movie that are absolutely captivating, like with most Tarantino movies. Um I don't so. know why but
2: the scene with uh Jonah Hill and they're discussing oh, the bald it's number masks. <laughs> it's amazing. My wife works so hard on those. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, lo- I yeah, I'm going to watch that one again today. Uh
1: what's your next one, Andrew?
2: Uh well, we're going from an incredibly Entertaining movie to an incredibly depressing, horrifying movie. Another one that does not take place in the United States. I'm going to go with Hotel Rwanda.
1: Mm, yeah,
2: it's it's one of the most uh, difficult movies to watch. Uh, the subject because of the subject matter, and you know it's true. It happened. One of the greatest atro- atrocities in history. Uh, the war from the Hutu onto the Tutsi, and how. This man, this hotel manager, gathered a th- over a thousand Tutsis and hid them, I-, I-, I hope I'm saying that right, but hid them in this hotel and like tried to save their lives. And it's just so, from beginning to end this movie, it just, like, please, I just make it stop. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this happened. It's heartbreaking, and it makes me cry every single time I even think about it. Uh, but Don Cheadle is an
0: incredible p- oh, performance in this. Yeah. It's a toughie. It was uh, showing my youth here. It was a movie that I was trying to remember what movie it was, and now you just reminded me that whenever I was in school, because this came out when I was in, I was I was young, it came out when I was like 9 or 10, I yeah, believe. Yeah, it was 2004. Yeah, so it came out around then and I remember in school they wanted to, one of my teachers wanted to show her in school and they were like wait whoa what? and so yeah. they they uh, got like uh, permission slips since it was like radar and they sent it home and they and if your parents signed it you like went to one room and then some parents didn't sign it obviously and then those kids like went and did other things or whatever but then those of us that parents allowed to watch it which uh, most actually did it was a like seventy five percent of the kids got to watch it, but uh but yeah I remember thinking that was crazy, I was like, oh man, we're about to watch a movie, we got, got our permission slip, like this is crazy, and uh obviously required, and it's a that was a tough yeah. one, and yeah, watching that at nine now, looking back that that's kind of weird, but yeah, it's necessary,
1: yeah, I echo everything that said, well worth a watch, even as tough as that watch uh might be um. For Don Cheadle's performance and just for understanding this story and the, you know, the horrors of the horrors of racism are certainly not uh, confined to just our shores. And, you know, that's that is that is a movie that definitely kind of lets you in on that. So, yeah, Um, I'm going to go with the hate you give next, which is another recent movie. Um, and this one kind of, I think gets a little bit buried because that year was such a great year for movies like this. Um, same year as, uh, blind spotting, same year as black Klansmen, Um, and I think this one kind of gets looked over a little bit, but it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, it is a story that again is very much about the black experience involved with police brutality and mistaken violence uh, against people of color. Um, And it's just, this one really made me understand the family dynamic of this and just how I, I think the movie either begins or early on has a scene of the father just teaching his children how to, uh, respond if they're stopped by police and just how intense and different that situation and that lesson is from anything I've ever had to experience. And uh, this is a really, really powerful movie and a really good one. And if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to check it out.
0: I have not seen that one. So that one is going on the list.
1: Yep, same. Yeah, a- again, it's a very recent and did kind of go on. You can watch
2: on the- it on Prime for free right now.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's uh, I think it is streaming um on a couple places, so so yeah. Uh so you can check that out. Uh Devon, what is your last one?
0: My last one, because of course I gotta end with a horror film and um you know kind of lighten things up because it's you know maybe doesn't have as much to pertain with this moment, but Candyman is uh one of my favorite horror films, um, directed by Bernard Rose back in nineteen ninety two. Uh, it's a it's a great film. Uh, it's a great horror film. Very entertaining, very scary. But um, it does have themes of it takes in um, you know urban urban life, gentrification, um, you know gang violence, and um, the use of symbols of fear um, to ins- aspire against people, but then also using that fear to bring people together. So I mean I lied. It definitely does pertain to this moment quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. But because you know you don't, you don't think about that because this is a, a a slasher movie, which at the same time just for me personally as a, a person of color and a horror fan, you know, whenever I was younger, I hadn't I never got to see a movie led by you know a powerful black man and him being the iconic you know slasher you know not us you know being killed off first all the time it was you know a black man doing the killing that's strangely empowering i know but um and tony Tony todd is great yeah i don't i don't know if i ever got to mention you guys i got to interview tony todd and it was one of the best things one of the best things of my life oh yeah oh
2: did you just fan out on him
0: uh I we would. fan I fanned out I went over my time <laughs> I had the producers yelling at me I was showing them my tat my candyman tattoo like uh, it was it was fantastic but uh, I assume but yeah, you've seen the trailer for the new one i have i have i'm what are intrigued your uh my thoughts uh it, I think it's going in an interesting direction I'm glad that it's looking like it's staying in the continuity so it's actually not a remake unlike what people think it is. It's more of like a reimagining, I guess, Um, but it is in the same continuity. I do know this. Um, So I'm, I'm excited for it.
1: I, I don't think it'll surprise many to hear me say, I have not seen this. Uh, (laughs) It is, it is on my, I guess we'll call it a list of shame. I just, I was very unaware of this. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I had heard of the movie. I just had never kind of paid it uh, much attention, but to know, That it kind of plays this role and actually speaks to uh, to those kind of things is fascinating to me. And maybe I'll have to check it out. Maybe I'll have to get on my list. I know it's streaming on Netflix. So
0: it is. It is on Netflix. And Aaron, I think this is a horror movie you'd really enjoy. It's not very overly violent, and it's a very elegant. It's an elegant horror film because really, it's a it's a it's part gothic romance, part slasher.
1: Okay, and it sounds like. And
0: then after
2: you after you watch it, go into the bathroom and say Candyman in the (laughs) three times. (laughs) I dare you.
1: Okay. Okay. I might just do that. I might just do that. Uh, What do you got next, Congrats,
2: Devon. You're going to be the new main host of Sip (laughs) Pop.
1: Yes! (laughs) Andrew, what do you got Uh, next?
2: I'm going to go with a movie that actually wasn't on Sean's list. But honestly, I think it might be, for me, the most powerful movie about uh, racial inequality and... uh, police brutality and stuff like that that I've ever seen, and that's blind spotting. Yeah. This movie is beyond where It's one of the great... I'm not even joking, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. It's so powerful. Aaron, you and I talk constantly about the end of this movie, the, uh, the rap confrontation, mm-hmm. and just how, I think you say, it's something that shouldn't work, but it works so well.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, and... Daveed Diggs and uh, Raphael, I forget what his last name is. Castile. Man, they give such good performances in this. There's so much that I just take away from this and I'm like, ah, I want to know more about these characters. And it's crazy because Oakland itself becomes a character in this. And I love whenever movies do that. They take the city that it's in All, all uh, Do the Right Thing does this with uh, New York. And uh, this movie here, Blind Spotting, does it with Oakland. It's it's so powerful. I love the performances, the visual, the visuals, uh, even how gentrification plays a role in you know this movie. It's fascinating. There's so many things going on in this movie, but it doesn't feel like you're over encumbered with information or uh, storytelling devices. It's so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my faves. Um, And I think a lot of it does have to do with that crucial scene towards the end. And I just I've I've never seen a stylistic choice like that work so perfectly when it should feel it just it should feel wrong. And yet it feels so right and yeah. it's just it's just set up perfectly and it's it's beautiful so i highly recommend for blind spotting for me as well
2: it's not even for me the most powerful scene in the movie the most powerful or i guess i should say the most shocking scene for me in the movie is when he's on his daily run and he's running through the cemetery and you just see all the people standing behind their tombstones it gives me goosebumps and chills just thinking about it because of what it represents and yeah. how they're all wearing the exact same thing. They're all wearing the black jeans and the black zipped-up hoodie. It's, oh,
0: uh, uh, yep. so crazy.
1: So good. Uh, I still need to see that
0: movie. Uh.
1: Yeah, that's a good oh, yeah, one to check scene. out. It is uh, streaming uh. on HBO right now, uh, if you have like HBO Ooh. Max or, or whatever. Ooh, yeah. So you should be able to check it out there.
2: Yeah, uh, do me a favor, Devon, whenever you see this one uh, – just uh, send me a, a text or something let me know what you think of it because i i can't put into words how much i love this movie and i love I know. hearing about how people love things i love <laughs>
0: i've 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 heard you endure. i've heard you talk about it on i don't know it was probably one of the the best of the year uh episodes but yeah i've heard you hype this one up and like your how much you love it and i yeah. definitely will check it out and i'll let you know coolio unless
1: you unless you don't like it and then just don't send don't don't say anything because because you'll just des- you'll destroy him he, he'll he never break in my heart <laughs> uh, all right Aaron finish this out I'm gonna finish this out with the movie that is fairly universally beloved uh, it is get out Jordan Peel's a movie speaking of I guess quote unquote horror movies uh, this movie is one that just continues to grow on me. Um, it is well-constructed, well-acted, well-put-together just from a movie-making point of view. But once you start getting into the detail and the nuance of the metaphor and what's going on in this world, it becomes brilliant on a whole nother level. Uh, this is a movie that, to me, approaches racism different than a lot of movies of this moment do in that... It is almost uh, a movie about um, a more uh, liberal version of racism, which is the idea that you you speak uh, things that you know, like Black Lives Matter. Ha- you know, you use hashtags. You you know, I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could. You <laughs> know, those those kind of things, right? But at the end of the day, what are you doing? And are you just using the black experience for your own political gain, for your own uh, assuaging of your own white guilt? You know, there's there's this kind of idea that Get Out gets at that not a lot of racial movies do. That I think is really important, and I'm I'm really glad uh, Jordan Peele kind of set out to address that because the metaphor of this movie addresses that so well. The idea that for many people, race and the embracing of race is just a way to improve their own lives in their own image, as opposed to actually feeling for a group of people who are hurting and in danger and, and um, abused. Uh, so it's, it's valuable on that level primarily, but it is so valuable as a movie as well. It is, is really well done.
0: Oh Yeah. Uh. Love it! It's one of
1: my one of my favorites. And don't you say quote unquote it is a horror movie. You give us credit. You give us credit. You got it, man. You got it. I'm not playing genre police. You can call you can call whatever you want a horror movie. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, you you can have it. Uh, we have to
2: mention uh, Betty Gabriel has that one scene. The no 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 scene. Oh man. Ah, uh, that might be that ten seconds might be some
0: of the greatest acting I've ever seen. And the single tier. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: Gives me goosebumps. She's so great. She's so great. Uh, it is not. I don't believe it's streaming anywhere, but it is available to rent or buy uh, wherever you do your digital stuff. So there you go. I mean,
2: so, you can watch it on Prime, I think. Oh, you got to rent it at Prime.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So those will uh, be some of the movies of the moment. They are obviously not all of the movies of the moment there are plenty of movies that speak to the black experience speak to what's going on in our world right now Uh, i will again mention sean's uh list of 110 important films that address the black experience uh that is on rotten tomatoes and you can check out the ones that he put on there uh it's quite an extensive list from you know stuff that came out just recently all the way back into like the the 20s i think it it stretches back to so uh lots of yeah we didn't even
2: hit on some of the classics, like In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Portier, you know? Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot on there, and I'd encourage you to check that out. Uh, and do that um, before we head on to our buried treasure. Uh, do want to thank the Sifpop members again? Again, we had a, a good conversation with Devon about kind of what's going on in his life in Los Angeles since he's moved out there for the last couple of years. Uh, if you want to hear that or just support what goes on here at Cif pop support starts at three bucks a month, and we do that at Patreon, Patreon.com/sifpop. S-i-f-t-p-o-p. Uh, you can check that out. And thank you again to our amazing members who make this possible. If you'd like to be one of them, you can go again to patreon.com slash siftpop. All right, let's hit our buried treasure. Uh, What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to let people know about? Uh, Devon, I'm going to let you finish us out. So, Andrew, why don't you go first?
2: Okay, I'm going to go with a little YouTube series that I know you, especially Aaron, would love if you haven't seen it already. It's from AARP's YouTube channel. (laughs) It's dinner with Don, and it's uh, a bunch of Hollywood, uh, like celebrity uh, actors, musicians, uh, directors. They all sit down and they have dinner with Don Rickles, and it's crazy because you you get a sense of just how uh, influential and like even intimidating he is. For example, there's an episode that has. Him, Don Rickles, Martin Scorsese, and Robert De Niro. Because they were they all did Casino together. And as they're all just sitting down and eating and talking, you can see how... Because normally whenever uh, Scorsese or Robert De Niro walk into a room, they're the god of whatever room they walk into. Mm-hmm. But the moment they sit down and they start having uh, dinner with Don Rickles, it's fascinating to watch how timid they are because they know he can tear them a new one just like that. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, but you also have uh, uh, people that are newer who are just like, uh, uh, a lot of what I do is, you know, because of I loved you watching you grow up, like Jimmy Kimmel or uh, Sarah Silverman, Amy Poehler. And then you get into some of the uh, interesting ones, like Snoop Dogg sits down with him because uh, he talks about, because Don Rickles was involved, not a member of the Rat Pack, but he was, you know, it, he was... Uh, I guess you could say, an aside, like an unofficial memory and stuff like that. But I watched every single one of them. They're about 10 minutes long, each of them, and there's 13 episodes. It's great.
1: Very nice. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a movie I saw uh, that I got a screener for. And uh, it is a movie called Miss Juneteenth. Now, if you are unaware, Juneteenth uh, is the celebration of June 19th uh, every year. And this is about a, a town in uh, Texas. Uh, by the way, that's the abolition of slavery is June 19th, 1865. Uh, and it, it is uh, coming out on digital on June 19th. Uh, but it is really powerful. Another great movie to kind of, uh, think about a lot of the issues we're thinking about. Um, the idea that, you know, it has been 150 years plus since slavery, slavery has been abolished and we're still dealing with this and the movie touches on some of those things. Definitely one I would, uh, would recommend. It's a first time director. Uh, I forget what her name is. I wish Channing I Channing
2: God Free Peoples.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and she does a really great job with this movie. It's uh, very personal, you can tell to her. Uh, I believe the story is in many ways based on uh, kind of the true experience of her growing up. And uh, so, yeah, one definitely to kind of keep your eye out for. Again, it's called Miss Juneteenth. Uh, what do you got? Devon?
0: Um, can I cheat and do two? Absolutely, man! Absolutely, quickly. you can okay, cheat and do five. I, I don't care. I, I got two of So the first, um, first of my buried treasure is a person. He is a black uh, filmmaker named JD Dillard. He is a very, uh, very talented young filmmaker. Um, he's done two feature films, uh, Slight. Which, if I had to elevator pitch it, it's Chronicle meets Iron Man in a in an urban setting. Uh, okay it's, I'm sold it's a, Yeah it's a really really cool small genre flick um, And then he also did a, a small horror film called Sweetheart uh, About a, a girl stranded on a desert island by herself Just fending herself from a sea monster He uh, So he's, he does these really interesting uh, genre films But he's also done um, some work on TV as well Directing an episode of The Outsider Um, He has a show coming up called Utopia, um, and he did a couple uh, installments of the two-sentence horror story. It's a little collection on Netflix and uh, and he's done like some music videos too so like this guy has been all over the scene for you know the past like 10 years you know just like kind of flying under the radar but uh sweetheart got some really good reviews it was uh picked up by netflix so that movie is available on netflix um but he's just a he's a really uh talented filmmaker keep an eye out on
1: very nice yeah what's, what's
0: the other one you got And then my second one is a documentary. It's uh, called Horror Noir, uh, The History of Black Horror. Of course, like I said, love my horror movies. And uh, it's a very fascinating um, documentary on just basically the history of, um, you know, horror, black horror cinema and kind of how you can, you know, trace the timeline of those films and the history of it, of horror films tied to where, you know, black people stood, and the black community stood in terms of the country at that time. Um, they kind of have these like interesting parallels, and they go through and talk about you know just some of these um, milestone films in black horror cinema. A um, uh, lots of interviews from directors and uh, actors, um, from like Ken Foray and um, Keith David to um, directors as well. Uh, Jordan Peele's got a little interview segment in there. Um, it's a it's a really great documentary. Uh, I got to go to the premiere of it too out here in LA with a cast Q and A, which was uh, really awesome. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, little documentary, and it is one of those films that they've made available to stream for free on Amazon right now. Is that where you got to interview Tony Todd? No, I interviewed hmm. Tony Todd for a different movie, uh, Hellfest. Uh, he had like a little cameo role in this other little horror movie. But oh, okay. uh, Tony Todd did do an interview in uh, Horror Noir, and he was there.
2: Yeah, I was looking at this cast list. It had like Keith, Dave, Keith David in it and stuff. And then I saw Tony Todd near the end. I'm like, oh, I was wondering if this is where he met him. But no, you got to yeah, see him now. twice. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw him twice, and at that q and I did get to talk to Keith David for a minute, which was super cool. We, we talked about The Thing for a little bit, and I talked about how I loved his um, uh, voiceover role in Coraline.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. He's also super the best nice spawn guy. there ever was.
0: True. True that.
1: Very good. Very good. Uh, definitely some good stuff to check out. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had forgotten that uh, noir is literally means black in French. So that's, yeah. that's a very, very clever title and um, sounds like a great, great thing to check out. Well, we did it, guys. We did a podcast together. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Fun times. Fun times. Uh, again, appreciate you so much coming on, Devon. Uh means the world to us uh, to have you as a friend of Sif Pop, and hopefully we can get you. In fact, you know what I'm going to say? Anytime you have a movie you want to talk about on Sif Pop, you just let me know, and you're welcome. Uh, we'll, we'll have oh, you on. thank so, you so much. You haven't... Oh, I, I really oh sorry you have an open in invitation man open invitation to be on the show anytime you want to
0: thank you so much and uh i definitely plan on making that more often like i said i'm uh in the pre-show i'm back in the podcast game so i got all my equipment set up and stuff so i'm back in the game now so i can definitely uh make some more appearances because i love being on the show with you guys and uh and uh talking it up it's, it's so much fun awesome yeah. well awesome. it's gonna be only a matter of months before aaron finally gets tired of me and he's looking for a new <laughs> host
2: so
1: <laughs> no andrew stop it no i could never i could never replace you uh no you'll you'll have to replace me i think uh if that were having the, the fans would revolt if we lost yeah because he's
0: gonna watch
2: candy and he's that's gonna right. arrogantly walk into the bathroom afterwards
1: that's right that's right Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Poppity's part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew today. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Huge thanks to producer Phil for putting the show together. And a, a huge thanks to Devon for coming by and hanging out with us. Uh, Woo! We, we appreciate you. Uh, tell people where what the name of your podcast is, where they can download it, or anything else you want them to know uh, about what you do.
0: Yes. Um, I am. Like I said, I have a new podcast. It is a horror podcast called The Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. Um, I live out in LA and I am a cannabis enthusiast Um, so I dissect uh, horror movies that I absolutely love it's just me me and the camera just me and you just having a good time um, and dissecting movies sometimes it's one movie sometimes it's a franchise who knows Um, but it's a it's a really fun show just a, a nice little uh, viewing of my brain, so you can check that out on iTunes, Spotify, um, pretty much any of the major uh, podcasting platforms. But definitely check it out on, uh, Apple or Spotify, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunts with three O's. Bloody Blunts. Got to get the number of O's correct. Three of them. Yes, three O's. I could not get that the the straightforward one because, of course, you know some bot has it or whatever.
1: <laughs> right. We'll right. get it worked out. <laughs> Much love and gratitude to our Sifpop members as well for giving monthly to make Sifpop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get access to every bonus episodes as well as some other fun perks. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash sifpop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can comment, rate, leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, or email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than solving institutional racism with a tweet or two. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with some thoughts on some stuff because uh, that's what we do. <laughs> we just, we're just not. I think we're going to talk about some of the new movies that are coming out like King of Staten Island, maybe Artemis Fowl. Uh, we still haven't chatted about Space Force, so we've got some stuff we can talk about in the next couple weeks. And until then... Thanks, and we'll see you then.
2: Bye.